Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. I just said off uh, off air, I've not said this for a while, because it, it's been some time, hasn't it? We're back. We're back. <laughs> we're in isolation, but we're back. Yeah. Uh, which probably leads us in as a, as a nice cue to the, the topic of this Hubcast, Spence, which uh, is hopefully going to be helpful for people. I think there's a million and one things going around at the minute in terms of... Um, tips for dealing with COVID-19 and mm. working in isolation. Um, you know, we're in March, it's the end of March. And of course, we're, we're, we're more or less locked down or working from, you know, remotely, we're socially distancing. Um, so we don't want to just follow the usual threads, but in line with what we do here at T2, around general, generally, you know, uh, personal development, leadership development, whatever it may be, but a lot of what we do is around personal well-being. Yes. And just getting people to understand how they're wired, how they tick, mm. the psychology of well-being. Um, and we just thought it was a good opportunity to have a general open debate, Spence, about you know if people are being asked to isolate at home or isolate in the office or you know uh, restrict socialising in general. Mm. It means we're going to be spending an awful lot of time in the next two or three months in small groups or on our own. Um, and what we've got to maintain through this, because we're going to have an economic challenge, we're going to have a health challenge, uh, physical health challenge, that being, um, we're going to have a, a, an indiv- independent, you know, independently individual, we're going to have a financial challenge, but maintaining well-being and mental well-being is going to be a big part of us getting through this yeah. on our own, with our families, uh, with our colleagues at work, etc. So I just want to chew the fat with you, Spence. Yeah, sure. Uh, what's your first thoughts on the whole situation? Well, as soon as we start talking about things like this, it always it's always uh, brings me back. I always picture you in my mind <laughs> going. That's scary. <laughs> not all. I don't picture you in my mind all the time. Um, but when I remember you saying, we're social beasts, we're social animals. So when we're in a situation where we're forced to be antisocial, for, for want of a better expression, when we're talking about social distancing, when we're talking about nailing it down and self-isolation and things like that, yes, there may be times when you're in, you don't just because you're with a family group or a small group, it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be great. That's yeah, because uh, people people suffer from isolation even in groups. Absolutely, and and if we if we look at just very quickly explore the science behind why I always say we're social beasts mm-hmm. is because. When you really study the history of humanity and Homo sapiens over hundreds of thousands of years and how we've evolved, um, you know, we very much started off in small groups as foragers. So um, as as hunter-gatherers, if you like, foragers, we used to sort of only accumulate in, in numbers of maybe six to a dozen. Um, so there was like hundreds and thousands of separate tribes just foraging and, you know, hunter-gathering. Um, and, but even when you go back to the earliest recollection, the scientific evidence of human existence, we were still in groups, mm. even back then it, it, there's, it, there's very, there's, there's not really a case scientifically to say that human beings ever wandered the planet individually ever. Right. Um, and, and the, and the whole notion of reproduction is probably the answer to that. If you give 
you know, birth to your offspring, even in the wild, then you tend to at least stay with that offspring and form a small tribe for a period of time. So we need people. We need social yeah. interactions. Yeah. Then we had the farming and agricultural revolution, you know, and <clears throat> the agricultural revolution allowed us to sort of even build those communities even further because one of the reasons when we foraged that we stayed in small groups is because you could only hunt and provide for a small amount of people. Yeah. If you had a kill, if you killed an animal or you, you know, found some berries or some plants, you could only really share that out between six people. So carrying large groups didn't pay off. Mm. Whereas when we went into the agricultural revolution, we learned how to farm. And, you know, we learned how to produce stocks and, you know, large amounts of food at any one time, which meant we could sustain multiple communities. And that's where, as, a, as Homo sapiens, we started to, to form communities. But if you think about that, that's led to hundreds of thousands of years of human beings never having to operate in isolation. And we find, don't we, Spence, whether it's not just the older, elderly people who live on their own, right, which breaks my heart, but it's not just them. Anybody who spends long periods of time in isolation can suffer mentally and Certainly. with, with well being. Whether yeah. you live on your own, whether you're struggling to find a partner, mm. whatever, whether you work in an office on your own with a closed door and a small window, people suffer in isolation. And what we've got to think about at this time, like we were saying, Spence, is uh, the first thing for me whilst um, we go through the next three months is if you have to self isolate with four people in your family, it's a golden opportunity to spend some quality time. And build connections with people. Yeah. Without a doubt. Certainly. And uh, you start discovering new things, don't you? I mean, we, we talk about comfort zone. We talk about comfort zone in a lot of different things. <clears throat> when we're in a situation where we're not self, we're not, it's not an enforced self isolation or, or, or family isolation, uh, you tend to go with the flow. Uh, until you take yourself out of your comfort zone, you take the other members of the family out of the comfort zone. So it's some for some people, it's anything for a quiet life. Mm. So now what we're going to do is we're going to find that we're actually going to be forced together. So what are we going to do? How are we going to be productive? And when I say productive, yeah, okay, we might still work from home, but we're also talking about how can we be productive for the family? How can we enhance and nurture uh, our interpersonal relationships with people who mean the most to us. Yeah. My wife's always telling me off about my screen time, you know, and she's got a point. I don't like to hear it, but she's got a point. And I think she's probably guilty of it as well, and we're all guilty of it. But she's really taken this opportunity. She's already got the supplies, and she's going to homeschool. We've got, you know, 5,000-piece jigsaws for the kids to do, <laughs> um, arts and crafts challenges and all this type of stuff. And I think, uh, you know, that's what it's a, what it's about, really. And, um you know, although it's going to be a challenging time and, and we have to keep out, I'm going to come on to this. We have to keep on our eye on the ball of the finances and the economy for us to have mental well-being as well. Yeah. We have to keep people in jobs. We have to keep being productive. We have to trade it within the within the boundaries of the protocol that, that is being advised. But first and foremost, let's look at the positives in everything and the fact that, you know, to maintain well-being whilst in isolation, we have to have social connections and interaction. Yeah. And for those who are listening to this who may be slightly concerned about the fact that they may live on our on, on their own, I mean, Lydia, who works for us, mm. she's only 27, but she lives on her own with a dog. Mm. And actually, she mentioned to me the other day that uh, if we do go working from home, because we're still really, we're still isolating in the office because there's only six of us. Mm. But if we did have to take the next step and work from home, she 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 wouldn't like that for two or three, four weeks because she lives on her own. Mm. You know, you know her, her social interaction largely takes place at work. So we've got to remember that as well. Yeah. It's not right for everybody. It's not going to be enjoyable for everybody, you know. 
So, but I think families, activities, and and socialising and connecting truly mm. is um, is one of the great opportunities we have in the next three months, Spence, yeah. as we as we go through this. Yeah, and I think that um, as much, with with every sort of thing that we need to start doing, there's other things I think we also need to start questioning and and, and possibly rationalising. So yeah. Um, being productive with the family, being sort of um, relishing the opportunities we've got, but other things as well. We've got to we've got to check our influences. What is it that because we, we might be isolated? Yeah, okay. But the beauty of the twenty first century, we've got social media, we've got news twenty four seven, all this that, and the other. Um, so all these conflicting issues, all this um, information. We've got to be um, mindful of potential bias. Yeah, um, we've got to be. We've got to <clears throat> check things. We've got to understand things because um, when we start talking about um, hypothetical and practical worries, so our practical worries, as we've just as, you, as you've just stated about the well-being of our families, um, about sometimes the well-being of our businesses, uh, the, the long-term bits and pieces. Hypothetical worries could be the scaremongering. I mean, if you've got well, social well, media now, you, you make a good point, Spence, because this links back into um, you know we've just explained the the evolution of humanity and yeah. Homo sapiens as why we need interaction and social communities, but also there's everything we do here at T two we base on the survival mechanism. So the fact that our number one innate response for anybody who's ever done work with us is survival. We will always be self-preservation will always be our number one innate response. Yeah. It drives your cortisol release in your brain. It, it, it triggers your fight or flight and it will be always be the reason why you suffer from anxiety. And um, if you think about this time, it, it's an unprecedented, unprecedented situation that will be triggering more levels of anxiety in people more than ever. Why? Because not only is the current situation about a pandemic in terms of a disease, this coronavirus, which whether you believe it's deadly to everyone or it's nothing more different than the flu or whatever it may be is up for debate and the scientific community are, are establishing the differences between that at the minute. But because it's something that can kill people, whether that's the vulnerable, the ill or the elderly or whatever it might be, that's triggering that survival mechanism in your brain right now, no matter who you are. Mm. So the whole thing is being triggered by the I could die situation in this. And then what it's compounded by, which you alluded to then, Spence, is we live in an age where we have access to 24 hours sensationalism from the media, social media, from the news outlets, and therefore, we can't differentiate between fake news versus reality. And therefore, it's, it sends your survival and your fight or flight response into overdrive every nanosecond, every minute, every hour of each day. Yeah. We're hearing about how many more people have died, how many more cases there are. You know, we're hearing mixed messages about what the coronavirus is versus it versus it isn't is the government doing the right thing are they doing the wrong thing are they exposing people mm. should we go to work not go to work it's absolutely a minefield so i just want people to understand that you're normal you're a human but your fight or flight response your cortisol release in your brain mm. is being sent into overdrive every day and we have to wrestle back some yeah. control by just taking a moment and, and the way you do that spence i think you was going to come to it was limit the amount of times you're just opening up your social media just yeah. for the next flick through to see what's on because it's yeah. a habit yeah people are doing it as, as a habit yeah 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 very much so and i, and I do believe that i mean we talk about <clears throat> when we start talking about the um the chimp 
the chimp sort of um, hears something or sees something or witnesses something or something happens, and then it goes through that reframing process. So people are actually listen, what reading social media, and rather than taking what works for them, they're taking what what basically uh, supports their own agenda, their own beliefs, and then rejects other things out of hand. So it's sort of self-perpetuating where you 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 are picking out, and, and we've talked about this before, where social media feeds are populated by other things that are basically yeah. running off the your al- past. The algorithms yeah. feed you narrative. So yeah. if you if you if you're a person out there now who shared three videos about coronavirus, then you're naturally now going to start seeing more uh, announcements, more things, more conspiracy theories about coronavirus yeah. because it picks up your interests. Mm. So the more you 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 know the more you share, it's like in the in running up to an election. If you share all of the far right, uh, you know, propaganda, you will you will be you will see more far right propaganda in your in your uh, feed, yeah, which yeah. Fit, which then supports your narrative. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and the same for the far left. It's why some people think the phones are listening to them because they search for a, um, a table, a garden set, a garden table and chairs. They're searching Google for it and wonder why they're seeing garden table and chair sets on their Facebook feed. Yeah. Because Facebook picks up everything you put into your phone yeah. as an algorithm and then feeds it back to you. So yeah. you're absolutely right. I think the point on that, Spence, is if you want to look after your well-being during this long period of potential isolation or restrictions mm. or whatever we're going to call them, limit your screen time because mm. you're going to go crazy reading all of these different things. And there's always different ways to cut data. Yeah. Right? You can you can... You know, you can look at data that says 103 people have died in the last two months of coronavirus. Mm. But if you searched hard enough, you could also find out that 3,000 people died of flu. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to put things into perspective. It's not downplaying the situation we find ourselves in. Mm. But there's always different, like you said, different ways to reframe things. Yeah. And you will always be heavily influenced by social media yeah. and if, if you allow it mm. you got to put things into context i'm a thinker i like to listen to both arguments i like to think i do come up with my own strong conclusions yeah. i have my opinions on coronavirus i have my my thoughts on how this might play out mm. um and what the aftermath of this is going to be um and that leads some of my actions throughout it and everybody has the right to do that but you know the world can't stop spence no. yeah the world cannot stop. We cannot all bunker down for four months and come out of this in any sort of situation which allows us to kick on because people will be coming out of it to no jobs, mm. to no revenue, to no security. Yeah. Markets will go down. Businesses will go under. Mm. right? And I know the government are doing all they can, but we have to stay as safe as we can. We protect the people who need the protection the most mm. and the ones amongst us who are fit enough mm. to keep this economy alive right, and to keep things going should absolutely do that you know we should absolutely do that yeah and and i think that also links to our our challenge versus threat state as well it does yeah. everyone's in a threat state at the minute right yeah oh very much so that's what's influencing the like the panic buy-in and bulk buy-in and the scaremongering and things like that whereas you've got the challenge state people the people who are looking at it as a challenge this is the thing is when we start talking about challenge versus threat state, it's very, very important to realize that challenge state thinking isn't the total disregard of the threat or the consequences. It's rationalizing them. Yes, this might happen, 
but I'm focusing on the challenge. You make, a good, think- you make a good point. And just for anybody listening who has not listened to previous stuff that we've done, mm. what Spence is talking about here is a challenge state is when we have a mindset where we're aware of the consequence and f- of the threat. We're aware of what might happen, but we remain focused on what we control mm. and what we want to achieve. Yeah. Whereas a threat state is when your brain shifts and you release all of that cortisol time and time again. So you become completely consumed in panic mode Mm. where you overly focus on the consequences of what is going to happen rather than focusing on what you control and what you achieve. Many people right now in the world of work, on social media, whatever it might be, are absolutely in a threat state. And when we start panic buying and when you go to the supermarkets and the shelves are empty, Mm. it starts to even then compound that threat state and and that fight or flight because then you think, well, what am I going to eat? What if I get trapped without any food, without any water, without any toilet roll? Let's not even start on toilet roll. <laughs> so, so, so then we become more in a threat state, and that then leads to consequence-driven behavior, yeah. and you panic by. Yeah, yeah. And then other people who are quite rational people in challenge state then go, well, shit, I need to get down the shops and get some toilet roll. And then they panic yeah. by. And this is what we're seeing at the minute. Yeah. It's a result of threat state behavior driven by the consequence of what might happen, yeah. which in reality, the consequences are, and, and the experts have already announced it, and the manufacturers are saying, calm down, we are not going to bloody run out of food or toilet roll during this crisis. Mm. There is enough if everybody just chills out and does their normal shop because what people don't understand is being locked down doesn't mean you're not able to go to the shop. It doesn't. No. You're going to be able to do that. Being locked down means you can't get on public transport. You, you, you know, you can't be in large gatherings. Your kids aren't going to go be going to school. You should stay at home where you can, but you can still go out to the bloody shop to get some bog roll, yeah. right? And and that and and you describe it perfectly. We're in a threat state, mm. and this threat state <clears throat> is. If it, I mean, okay, we all get into threat states occasionally, but the thing is when you're looking at a prolonged threat state, you're looking at real real issues with mental health. And when we're talking about mental health and threat state, <clears throat> and we've talked about this many, many times, the conclusion we've come is mental health starts to suffer when we, we either perceive or actually lose control yeah. or have little control. So if we can actually get into a challenge state and recognize what we can control, then we're actually sort of challenging potential mental health issues. We're actually getting to that point where we're sort of using our rational sort of self to to help our mental health issues before yeah. they fall off a cliff. Absolutely, mate. So we've talked about the importance of social interaction. We've talked about the fight or flight mechanism and anxiety. We've yeah. talked about threat state. We've talked about screen time and being influenced by the propaganda mm. uh, and the media at the minute uh, and believing everything we read. Uh, we can do several things with those areas to just just help ourselves a little bit yeah. from a, from a mental health perspective. I want to talk about three other things, Spence, yeah. on this podcast. I want to talk about the importance of still trying to get outdoors as much as you can. Yeah, I want to talk about exercise and diet. Mm. And having been on a journey you've been on recently, yeah. there's no no one more so who would recognise and uh, the, the the power of just. Um, you know, changing a few things that can make a big difference. So, I mean, outdoors is an interesting one, Spence, because uh, this is another misconception at the minute. And I know the government are still escalating restrictions, but it's never going to come to the point where you cannot, as a family, go out in your garden, uh, do gardening, um, 
you know, go to a, a place, walk around the around the the street, go to the local park, whatever it might be, to get your fresh air. Mm. It's really important, not just from a scientific and vitamin D perspective and all the great stuff, but um, yeah, you almost get the cabin fever um, yeah. syndrome if you just lock yourself away in your house. You ain't gonna be at risk of developing coronavirus if you're in your garden with your family. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's a fascinating. I think that's a really good point because it also links to that mental health and that threat that threat situation. So if we're in a threat state and we're panicking because we've read something that might be inaccurate on social media and we've got to stay in the house, then, well, that's not strictly true. Um, as you said, good exercise. Just as we know, a little bit of exercise. It doesn't have to be running a marathon. It doesn't have to be excessive. But just getting out, getting that heart rate escalated a little mm. bit, breathing, getting that fresh air, oxygenating the brain, that all leads to better decision-making, better could, mental health and physical health. It does. You could do a power walk at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. in the morning when there's nobody about for 3K and and, and get and re, get and reap the benefits both physically but more importantly from a mental health perspective. If you did that every morning for the next three months, um, you know, you got to get outdoors. We're going to talk about exercise in a minute because you can exercise indoors and outdoors, but, you know, You've got to still get outdoors. You know, there's some people who understand this and be going, there'll be some people who will be doing too much outdoors and you've got to try and rein them in a bit. But there'll be some people who, because they're in that threat state, they will not want to leave the house. And if you're one of them people and you're listening to this, it's really important that you, you, you rationalize things in your brain and you get outdoors as much as you possibly can. Not in heads, not in groups, mm -hmm. you know, in pockets of opportunity early in the morning, whatever it might be, but you get yourself out there and you get outdoors. Yeah. It's going to do wonders for your mental health. And physical health, yeah. Exercising, Spence, we can do it inside, we can do it outside. Obviously, gyms are probably a bit of a no-go at the minute, and I think gyms will end up maybe being locked down, potentially depending on the um, the restrictions imposed by the government, um, just like bars and restaurants, etc. cetera. But um, that's no excuse. You know, mm. we can still... Like we just said, we can exercise in the garden. We can exercise by going for power walks and runs. But, you know, a lot of people, let's use digital to our advantage with this. Mm. As a family, me and my wife and my kids, we've started doing yoga sessions in the living room. So we get the yoga mats out. Uh, we we put a YouTube video on. We follow this lady who does wonderful yoga sessions. Mm. And we it's 20 minutes and we do yoga as a family. And yeah. I used to think, yoga, what a load of rubbish. You know, it's a bit of stretching. Honestly, it, I'm sometimes absolutely sweating, absolutely tired out as a result of it. It's really good for your posture, really good to get your blood flowing, really good for all of them endorphin, you know, releasing endorphins and all that great stuff that exercise does. You, you use digital to your advantage. There's a number of things online now, you know, that you can follow where you do 20-minute workouts in your living room and just follow the person on the screen yeah. if you're not sure what you're doing. Mm. So exercise is going to be important for mental health. Yeah, um, it was on the news last night uh, that the BBC uh, cut down on um, episodes of EastEnders and filming certain TV programmes that are a casualty and things like that. However, they also announced that uh, because the school's getting closed down, they're putting educational programmes on for different age groups uh, on the TV and on the iPlayer and things like that. They're also putting exercise classes on the iPlayer Brilliant. and on, on TV as well. Play them at any so, point you want. Yeah. yeah. Access them at any point you want. Yeah. And, and it's a family thing you can yeah. have a bit of fun doing, right? Of course, yeah. Otherwise, it's six seasons on Netflix and a load of a family-sized bag of crisps and an ice cream. 
Yeah, well, you're going to have to eat them crisps if you've panic bought bulk bought Doritos <laughs> or whatever. So diet, Spence. I'm going to come over to you on diet. Yeah. So we've talked about social. We've talked about anxiety and, and this fight or flight response. We've talked about screen time, getting outdoors, exercise. But I'm coming to you on diet because we don't we don't have to give anybody a lecture on diet, and we're not we're not. Um, you know, nutritional therapists or qualified no. dietitians or whatever it might be. But mm. we, we do a bit on the hub about it and we know about it. Yeah. It has a huge impact. What you put in your body has a huge impact on on everything. Yes. Um, certainly and on your mental health. Yeah. Um, but you've had a bit of a you've had a bit of a you don't you don't mind me sharing on this yeah. podcast. No, you've no. had a bit of a, a um like I did 12, 24 months ago with my Sjogren syndrome. You found out you was type two diabetic <clears> recently. <throat> Yes. Which explained a lot about yeah. some of the symptoms you were experiencing. Yeah. So um, just, just to, I don't want to sort of overdwell on it, but in the, in the sort of past six to eight months, I found myself being very, feeling very fatigued, very tired, very, uh, very, um, well, I, I didn't have the energy that I used to have, which, yeah, okay, we can sort of say, look, Spence, you're 50, 51 uh, over this period of time. You've, you've got to come to terms with the fact that you're, you're getting on a bit, but but it just didn't feel right to me, uh, and and obviously it was noticed by by people in my, in my family and and at work as well. We talked about it, yeah. Um, and and it was yeah. I was encouraged by a close friend <laughs> to go and have a blood test or, or go and see the doctor at least. So I went to see the doc. Um, we talked about a lifestyle and things like that. We didn't really have anything that um that that was pointing towards anything obvious. So I had blood tests, and the results of the blood test suggested that I was type two diabetic, which yeah, bit of a bit of an eye opener. Um, it, it certainly affected me uh, physically and therefore mentally. Yeah, therefore mentally through the through the fatigue. You know, as I know, with an autoimmune condition, infl- diabetes is the same. When you've got inflammation in your body, mm. in your case, it was high blood sugar levels. Mm. In my case, it was high levels of antibodies in my blood. You know. When you've got high inflammation in your body and high blood sugar levels, it absolutely impacts on everything from tiredness to fatigue to cog- to brain fog mm-hmm. yeah. to even you being able to function properly to your emotions to yeah. cortisol being released to being snappy to being yeah. impatient all the rest of it mm-hmm. and um, and that then so that means that you are suffering mentally from 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 the physical effects of yeah. what you're experiencing. I mean, it's been uh, only a week to ten days now, hasn't it, or something? Well, I got the alert uh, ten days ago. Um, so, so basically, the doctor said um, you've got um, you, you're scoring high on this uh, diabetic rate, so come in and see me. But um, it was only a week ago when I, since I went to see him, um, so I had the alert and I thought, well, okay, so there's a there's a potential of me being diabetic here, so I need to make some changes. Uh, a couple of days later, I went to see the doc, did some examinations, did some tests, and yeah, it turns out I'm type type two diabetic, and that's when everything really kicked in then. So it was just basically a lifestyle change. So for a week now, you've been taking your blood every morning. Yeah. You you realised you were sky high in your blood sugars. Yeah, You've yeah. dramatically dropped them almost a th- two-thirds. Yeah. Um, and already, and I can see it, you can mm-hmm. see it, the difference just from understanding what to put in your body that works for you. Yeah i.e. Low, low sugar, cut your sugars out, replace them for sweeteners in your coffees. Mm. I mean, it's not been life-changing. Oh, no, 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 no. Brown, no, no, brown pasta instead of white pasta. Yeah. You know, cut, cut a few pizzas out and a few, you know, saturated carbs, etc. And all of a sudden, it's without too much change, mm. it's just making a huge difference. Oh, massive. And, and the reason we, with a few minutes left, Spence, the reason we come on to that is because not everybody out there has got diabetes yeah. or Sjogren's syndrome, yeah, right? Yeah. But but this is a time more than ever where 
if you're experiencing high levels of anxiety, the thing about being at home, Spence, is the boredom. Mm. So picking, mm. you have this saying, don't you? Little pickers wear big knickers, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. We are going to be more susceptible to those sugary processed foods more than ever. The fact that people are bulk buying things that last a long time means they are processed, mm. which if all you do is have a, a diet rich in those and you're not getting outdoors and you're financially you're worrying financially and you don't know if your business is going to be there at the end of it and you're worried about dying of coronavirus all of this stuff in the pot together just is going to is going to fuel this ongoing cycle of poor mental health yeah so if ever there's a time just to clean it up a little bit yeah just to take some of this unnecessary stuff out eat your meals a day get your fruit in drink lots of water mm. not saying you know don't enjoy yourself mm. But now, it, it, I always find, Spence, it's not these th – we work with many people who struggle, and it's never one thing in isolation. It's it's when the pot when the when the pot starts spilling over because you're putting too much in it. Mm. When your exercise isn't on, your diet's poor, you're not getting outdoors, you're socially isolated, you're in the middle of a, a coronavirus pandemic, yeah. you're worried for your job and your future. When you put all that in together – that's what's going to drive poor mental health. Mm. When you break that down and wrestle back some control and do the little things with your diet, with your exercise, getting outdoors, spending quality time with your family, understanding why you're in survival mode at the minute and rationalizing it, right? Staying away from your screen time and being fed propaganda that's going to send you into overdrive. When you do all of that together, you can just pour a little bit out of your pot and start to take back some control again. Yeah, and it's that control that means everything. You said it, you know, mm. when we feel in control, you know, our anxiety subsides. When we feel out of co control, which most people do right now, it goes into overdrive. So mm. we're more or less on the time, Spence, and, and with a few seconds left, I just want to say thank you very much. It's been oh, great you. to get back in. Yeah. Uh, we'll publish this and just see if some people can just calm a little bit. Yeah. Just rationalize, get back in control, use it to spend all the time under the sun with your family, still work hard, mm. and we'll come back with another podcast because i think there's a part two to this which is we've got to drive the economy we've yeah. still got to get stuff done yes. and that is really important yeah yeah but for now spencer locker thank you very much cheers martin